Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday Worship Online. Whether you're a regular with us or simply looking in, we're so glad that you can take part with us in worshipping God together. Many of you will have read the letter in the McCracken Times this week from myself and Rosemary, just explaining that we don't expect to be opening our church doors straight away from next Sunday, even though we now have permission to do so. Uh, we know that many of you are very keen to get back to gather church, but we do also want to take every precaution necessary in making it a safe place for every one of us. And we also want to start back well and to ensure that those who feel it necessary to remain at home can continue to avail of our digital church services. Uh, so we want to put the necessary measures for that in place. But I do hope to, to, to be able to confirm to you a date for reopening next week. Uh, can I say as well thank you for your continued donations to Storehouse. Donations of groceries can still be brought to our church car park on Saturday mornings between 10 and 11.30 a.m. and your help really is very much appreciated for that. Let us now worship God. Some words from Malachi chapter 1. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the summer. Thank you for the lovely place in which we live. We have so much beauty on our doorstep without having to travel anywhere. Beautiful countryside and coastline. We thank you for the simple gifts of being able to see it and hear and smell and touch and to give you thanks for all of it. Lord, we come today to give you our praise and our worship. We come to listen to your word to us and to be reminded that our worship doesn't just consist of what we do together in church or in the quiet of our homes, but also in how we love our neighbour and care for those in need. Remembering that what we do for those in need, we do for you. Lord, we want to confess to you our sins. You made us in your image with a mind to know you, a heart to love you, and a will to serve you. But our knowledge is imperfect. We confess that our love is inconsistent, our obedience incomplete. Day by day, in so many ways, we fail to grow into your likeness. Yet you are patient with us, your children. You are committed to see to completion the work which you began in us. So Lord, we pray that you might forgive us. And as we yield our hearts and our wills to you, come by your Holy Spirit to cleanse and renew us, filling us more and more with the mind of Christ. Help us to worship you in this moment with our hearts and our minds and our time set aside. Fill our thoughts and revive our souls as each of us take time to praise you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, and verses 40 to 42. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, Truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. May the God bless to us this reading of his word. Some of the older folk listening may remember the days of Sunday school exams or tests on the shorter catechism. Some churches around the country perhaps still have them. I remember about 20 years ago when I was a student minister being asked to go and be an examiner for a Sunday school exam, something I'd never had any experience of before. One by one, the children came and recited a hymn, Word Perfect, and then answered some questions on the Bible and recalled a couple of Bible verses that they'd committed to memory. Quite long passages, if I remember. And to my amazement, the first three Very bright children were able to do this without fault. Then it was the turn of a young boy beaming with enthusiasm. He began to recite the hymn. And it was obvious he'd tried to memorise it, but as much as he'd tried, he just couldn't get beyond two or three lines. He answered a couple of the Bible questions correctly, but got all the words of the memory passages muddled up. At the end of the exam, as I was talking, I just happened to accidentally lower the piece of paper that I was taking the scores on. And as his eyes lit upon the score before his, his face lit up with delight. Yes, I got an A, he gasped. That's never happened to me before. I hesitated and then replied, yes, indeed you did get an A. Well done. I find it very hard to relate theologically to Sunday school exams. There's a part of my reformed theological background that shrinks back from any idea of merit or reward in relation to matters of faith. Salvation is not about passing an exam, thankfully, or tallying up a score or earning brownie points in the hope that your good works might somehow get you into heaven. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages are something we work for, something we earn, something we deserve. A gift, on the other hand, is freely given, undeserved, no strings attached, just a gift to be humbly and gratefully received. And enjoyed. It's what we call in Reformed theology justification. 
and imputed righteousness, where we understand that God and Jesus on the cross has taken our failed efforts and gives to us his A star. A reward is something you merit. A gift is something that you don't work for. In the case of salvation, something we, we never could merit, no matter how hard we tried, but something wonderful that God has done for us in Jesus. But in today's passage from Matthew 10, Jesus concludes his long discourse upon sending of his disciples on his mission into the world by referring to reward. Up until now in this discourse, his words to his disciples have been challenging, very challenging, even harrowing, calling them to be vulnerable as they're sent out without gold or silver or copper in their belts, no bag for the journey, no extra tunic or sandals or staff. In their vulnerability, they were going to have to learn to depend upon God to provide for them. Maybe through the hospitality of others, they were going to have to learn to depend upon God in doing his work. And Jesus warned them that if they're going to be identified with him, to expect opposition, rejection. He warned them that following him might even place them in frightening life or death situations. He prepared them for the possibility of having to choose between following him and the closest of earthly loyalties. About 20 verses in all of this quite heavy stuff as Jesus sets out what lies ahead of them. And then at the end of that comes our our short Bible reading today. These three short verses of encouragement. He who welcomes you welcomes me. And he who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who welcomes a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, they will certainly not lose their reward. Now at first glance you might understand those words as an instruction to us to welcome others, to welcome the stranger and by so doing you'll be welcoming Jesus or to give a cup of cold water to those who are needy and oppressed in order that you might not lose your reward. But listen to the words again carefully this time. Who is it who is receiving the reward here? Who's doing the welcoming? Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Jesus, it seems, is putting us, his disciples, not in the place of the ones offering the welcome, but in the position of the ones receiving the welcome. And the you here is is plural, meaning that Jesus is referring to all of his followers, to you and I, the Church of Christ. Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the Father who sent me. What an amazing statement. 
to think that we might bear the presence of Christ, the presence of God, to those whom we encounter from day to day. And that in their welcoming us, in their receiving us, they are receiving God. And when you think about it, it's a statement that implies that the church is sent, sent outside of its four walls. We've long had a mentality in our churches, haven't we, that we are the ones who do the welcoming. That's our job. And we like to think that we do it very well. We even assign a welcome team on the door on a Sunday morning. We are happy to be the host, happy to receive those who come, come in through the doors of our church building. It's how it should be that everyone should feel welcome coming into church. But Jesus is talking not about us welcoming others, but about others welcoming us, receiving us. And maybe we're not so comfortable or familiar with that idea, perhaps because if the church is going to be welcomed by others, well, it means that the church has left the building, doesn't it? If people are going to be welcoming you, then you must be meeting them where they are. And that involves some vulnerability on our part and requires humility on our part and grace and demands that we live out our faith, not just for an hour on Sunday as we normally gather together, but 24-7, wherever we are, in the homes of others, in our workplaces, schools, neighbourhoods, with our families. It demands that we are out there. And that certainly fits with the whole of Jesus' discourse that we've been looking at in recent weeks, sometimes called the missionary discourse, where Jesus announces that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the fields. Jesus sends out his disciples in mission as sheep among wolves, and he offers them words of guidance and, and warning and promise. It's dangerous out there, he says, but but you will find welcome. And those who welcome you, well, they are those who receive me and they will be rewarded. Here we are thinking about how we might be rewarded. What's in this discipleship business for us? While all the time God has a bigger picture in mind, how others will be rewarded. How others will be blessed through Jesus' disciples, his sent ones. We've got to remember that at this point in Jesus' ministry, the cross is looming large. He knows what's coming. He knows that there'll be opposition, rejection, suffering, even death. He knows that his disciples will experience some of, if not all of those things, as no student is greater than his teacher. But perhaps suddenly Jesus looks back and remembers also all who have received him as he sees that bigger picture. The first audiences in Capernaum, the first disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and how they opened their hearts to him. And all those people who brought their loved ones, Jews and Gentiles, 
people need people needing to be healed, recognizing Jesus for for who he was. There was that first encounter with Matthew the tax collector, and the su- supper that followed when others from Matthew's dubious crowd came along. Did they know how much he delighted in their coming? How as they received and welcomed him, the kingdom of God, God's reign, became manifest in their midst. And so Jesus wants to encourage his disciples. He wants to encourage us with the encouragement that he himself has received. That for every house that closes its doors to his disciples, there will be communities very much open to them. And it's not all wolves out there, but there are many who will welcome you. And in doing so, they will receive their reward because in welcoming you, they receive Jesus and the Father. So you see, in Matthew's Gospel and with Jesus, the assumption is that the church is a sent church, a missionary church. There's simply no other way, in fact, to be church. Mission isn't just something that's delegated to the outreach committee in McCracken or even to the minister or elders, but it's an essential part of who we are, all of us in church, all of us believers, disciples. It's the defining purpose of all that we do. And, you know, just maybe being locked out of our church building for a little while has reminded us of that very fact that we as a church are sent, sent out. Each follower of Christ is sent, maybe not as a missionary to far off shores, maybe not in a way that leads us to depend upon others for shelter and food, but we're all sent into the world to tell and embody the good news of Jesus Christ, to offer ourselves up as a guest for other people to welcome. Not all will welcome us, But some will, and the reign of God will be manifested. You know, it's funny how we associate being sent by God to do his work in the world with big things, huge sacrifices, great feats. And yes, sometimes that's exactly what it entails. But our passage ends with Jesus' words. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water, to any one of these little ones, because he's my disciple. I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. What a tiny little thing to give a cup of cold water. Discipleship doesn't have to be heroic, just like all the small acts of devotion and tenderness and forgiveness that go largely unnoticed. The life that Jesus calls us to can be composed of a thousand Small gestures like this one. Except that, according to Jesus, there is no small gesture. Every little one of them, when done in his name, when done in faith and love, takes on cosmic significance for those involved and for the world that God loves so much. In reaching out, we may well be surprised how ready many are to receive our most humble efforts. And in case we forget what we have to offer, Jesus reminds us with his promise. 
Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. Amen. We now bring to God our prayers for others. Let's pray. Lord, we pray today for the suffering people of Yemen. Those harrowing images we see on the news of children reduced to skin and bone. Famine and poverty brought about by war. And now that suffering being added to by COVID-19. Lord, we pray for a lasting solution to root causes of this suffering. We pray for peace. We pray for a meaningful ceasefire, lasting peace and economic recovery. We pray for help to get to those most in need and that that help would be unhindered by politics and corruption. Help those most vulnerable to get food and to get medical help and bless the efforts of aid agencies like MDF and many others. Lord, we pray today also for the continuing search for Noah. Help the police in their searching to find him quickly, we pray. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over him and protect him, that he might be found safe and well. Give strength to his family, we pray. We pray, Lord, today also for the homeless at this time, those who have no fixed abode to which to retreat for shelter and safety, from coronavirus. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over their lives and help them to find help and support. We think also of those who, who work with the homeless in these days, asking that you would bless them and, and use their work in providing the basic necessities of shelter, food and love and caring community. We pray for groups like Storehouse, the Simon community, the Salvation Army and St Vincent de Paul and others and for all the work that they do. We remember too, Lord, those simply finding it difficult in this season to get by financially, maybe because of unemployment, reduced income or children at home from school. Lord, we pray that they would receive the support that they need at this time in caring and dignified ways as people look out for neighbours in need. Lord, be with all of those who are ill at the moment, those who have perhaps received a shock diagnosis, those struggling with multiple ailments, those recovering from surgery or treatments or stays in hospital, or those who simply have to wait. Lord, we pray for your healing for them. We pray for grace and for patience. We pray, Lord, that you'd also continue to help our NHS workers, doctors, nurses, administrators, porters, cleaners, community and care home workers. We pray, Lord, that you'd bless and encourage them in their work, keep them safe. And we pray that we might continue to value them and care for one another through our continued vigilance against coronavirus. Lord, hear our prayers as we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly 
than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the blessing of God, Almighty Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.